0: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, November the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show Miami falls short in Green Bay we'll get you caught up on the fallout from the 31 to 12 loss at the hands of the Green Bay Packers all the injuries who was responsible for the loss some big picture takeaways and we'll close things up with our one big thing but first before any of that I kindly invite all you new listeners to please subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review Give me a follow on Twitter at Linkful NFL, follow the show at LockedOnFins, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the lockdown Network. You can find my work elsewhere, such as the Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, and thirdand 10com And last but not least, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts, like the lockdown Heat podcast and LockedOn NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. My post-game notepad is chocked full of information, notes, news, and nuggets. Let's go ahead and get those out here and kick off the podcast. Of That's another Miami dolphins. dolphins. And first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast today is brought to you by MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And if you bet on the Dolphins today, I think you might have got what you asked for. I was thinking about taking the Packers plus 11 points because... Let's be honest, we kind of knew this result was coming, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I didn't do it. So Dolphins fans do not hang me out to dry on that just yet. I put my own financial well-being aside to help root on the Dolphins in this game. But unfortunately, it was not enough. The Dolphins do lose 31-12 to to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, though I do think the, the game was a tad closer than what the scoreboard showed it. You have to give it to this team, at least in the first half, I guess a little bit of credit for keeping it as close as they did for as long as they did. And the Packers certainly gave them more chances than they probably should have in that game. But nonetheless, they had the football at the Packers' 30-yard line, trailing by five points at the beginning of the third quarter. If that blocked punt that led to that Field position would have gone the other direction. Miami could have been leading this game with less than 30 minutes to go. But the real killer in this game was three red zone trips early on, resulting in only six points. That's just not going to get it done. Brock Osweiler, that snap through his hands. Atrocious looking play there. You won't win many games doing that. You won't win anything any games doing that when Aaron Rodgers is on the other sideline. Offensively, there was a lot of terrible to get to, but none more terrible than Brock Osweiler. And for a guy that's supposed to be sharp within the system because of that wonderful familiarity we always hear about, he sure as hell misses a lot of stuff pre-snap. And on that drive after the block punt, he had an eight-man pressure look with cover zero, and they went with three vertical routes up the sidelines and at the seam on third and eight, That's something Brock has the authority to change at the line of scrimmage. He didn't do it. And then to compound things even further, he didn't take the one-on-one shot to Kenny Stills, who threw his hand up immediately when he recognized the coverage and he had a chance for a big play on that third down. His interception was bad. His decision-making was bad. His accuracy was bad. His ability to handle pressure, all of it very, very bad. Now, the offensive line in front of him played about as you'd expect, though I did think that one of the two positives from the game was the running game and how well the offensive line got some push Off the left side, I thought they did pretty well there. I am curious to get a peep at the Dolphins' left guard for the day, Jake Brendels. He plays his first action of 2018. Jesse Davis, the right guard, just hasn't been that good this year, and I thought he would be, so he's continuing to kind of have a rough go of it when it comes to pass protection. Now the tackles that played in this game, Sam Young and Zach Stirrup. I thought Sam Young, you know, maybe he's more of a right tackle and probably just shouldn't play left tackle because he played okay in this game. Now the left side, Zach Stirrup, that's another story. He is really just not getting it. I don't think he's even rosterable at this point. From a skill player standpoint, look, I like Danny Amendola and Frank Gore. I think they're good players. They're good role contributing players, but it's not a good thing when they are the focal point of your offense. The Packers started bracketing Danny Amendola at one point in this game, and if that's not an indictment for how terrible Osweiler's vertical game is, I don't know what is. You take away the easy stuff, and then Brock is a sitting duck, a good plan for the Packers to do that later in the game defensively this Rashad situation is just really frustrating because of what it meant in the first quarter I know it's all over and past now apparently but Miami gave up 104 rushing yards in that first quarter during his team and post suspension they suspended him for one quarter to start this game and a big run came as a result and wouldn't you know it it was TJ McDonald taking another poor angle leading to that big run and 104 rushing yards in that first quarter. And this whole thing started because they wanted to take Rashad off the field in favor of TJ last week, and I'd have been pissed too. Look at the way TJ plays every single week, it seems. He's just not getting it done and taking Jones off the field instead of him. You have to wonder what the hell they were thinking with that decision. But it wasn't just the safety on that big play. The linebackers have been awful in this game. Raquan, another really bad game for him in the run fits. And I know a lot of you guys like Kiko out there, but he misses just as many plays as he makes But because there's no stat to track it. It's just really film study and run fits. You don't really have a quantifiable measure there, but this group as a whole, their run fits can be absolutely atrocious at times. And it was in the game on Sunday. Bobby McCain probably shouldn't be playing perimeter corner at all. Getting him on Devontae Adams in the red zone, one-on-one on on the outside. Not sure how the hell that happens. He got beat by Adams a couple times in the game. Xavier Howard got beat badly on a communication mix-up with Jones. Same old story from last year. I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. Communication breakdowns aplenty still every single week under Matt Burke. The street free agent defensive tackle, Sylvester Williams and Ziggy Hood, they did not play as well in this game as you expect them not to. Akeem Spence, probably a one and done for the Dolphins. He, again, was not good in this game. The second positive of this game was the Dolphins' pass rush. Cam Wake and Robert Quinn met at the quarterback a couple of times. Cam Wake got his 96th career sack on the day. And the, the reason he got that sack was a really cool pressure look from Matt Burke. So I have to give him credit when credit is due. Showing a gap pressure, it created a one-on-one chance off the, off, off the outside for Cam Wake against Jimmy Graham, a tight end. And Wake's going to win that every time, and he did. So that was good to see. And I guess I have a third positive because Minka Fitzpatrick is still really, really, really good. And that's all I got to say about him. I do think that a change will come at defensive coordinator, but I don't think it'll happen in season. But if it does, it'll probably happen during the bye week. So we'll see if we have some information to get you guys later in the week. Matt Burke's game plans are really only effective against a very certain specific type of offense. And there just aren't that many offenses that play that way in the NFL today. So... That's kind of big picture stuff. And we do have a lot more to get to on the podcast here. We'll discuss more of the big picture takeaways in the next segment, as well as get to the one big thing at the end of the show. We'll do all that next. But first, a word from my bookie another weekend of football has come and gone and we are running out of chances to put some money on the games and put our money where our mouth is and it's not about who you're betting on it's about who you're betting with and that's why i always urge people to go with my bookie the best bet you'll make this season my bookie has been in business for years they have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use i would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win and they pay they have in game live betting over unders on fantasy point score and the most rewarding player perks in the business and since my bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everybody the best possible customer service if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100 join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code locked on one word locked on visit my bookie online today that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I IE. And don't forget to use promo code locked on to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. If you're willing to hold out until after 7 PM Eastern, you can get an extra $25 free play by using promo code locked on 25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra candy. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. It's a recap podcast here on the Monday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Travis Winkle with you guys here as always. And we're talking about the Packers 31, Dolphins 12. Dolphins fall to 5-5 five and five on the season heading into a bye week, a much needed bye week. And that will be our topic in the one big thing later on in the episode. But a couple of topics I saw going around the Twitterverse today post-game as I talk on this podcast on a Sunday night was... I saw a lot of vitriol focused towards the coaching staff, focused towards the front office, focused towards the idea of cleaning things out. And I just thought that that was a weird time to get into that frame of mind. I know that football fans and basically the football atmosphere that we have created within the media, with Twitter, with social media, all that stuff, the way that is perceived now is that if a blowout loss occurs, Somebody has to be held responsible. We have to start thinking about the future because one blowout loss certainly will lead to another blowout loss. And that's just kind of how the league works and how the perception of the league is. But I I just don't really get the idea of wanting to clean house after you lose by double digits when you are a double-digit underdog. They do bring that uproar back regardless of circumstances, and I'm not saying there's no need for evaluation. That is not what I'm saying at all. I think everybody involved with this football team right now, from the medical staff to the freaking punter, needs to be evaluated because this just isn't good enough, and I think this team you know, we talk about the ifs, ands, and buts, and they could have beaten Cincinnati if this didn't happen. Well, I mean, the truth of it is, is they really could be a lot worse than five and five right now, just based on a few bounces here and there. Maybe the Titans game, they don't call that hole on the Derrick Henry run. They could have beaten the Dolphins in that game. Maybe the Dolphins don't get that pick by Xavier Howard against the Raiders. Maybe they don't get all the crazy stuff that happened in the Chicago game for both teams, really. That game could have gone either way. The Jets last week, it took a defensive touchdown to win that game. You just want wonder how good this team really is. And because of the same repeated mistakes over and over and over, I think that you should have to evaluate everybody postseason and really take a good look at this team in the mirror and see, is this the guy, are these the guys, are these the players, are these the coaches that are going to take us in the right direction or are they not? I do think the evaluation is very, very difficult because of the circumstances, but today's game was not the day to start talking about firing everybody because this result was always coming. This team was not going to match up well in this game. It was always going to be a blow. So just a weird sense on Twitter today, in my opinion. Going forward to the Adam Gase press conference, that was another weird Aura, I suppose, is the word because he was unusually chipper and unusually transparent and really, really open with the media. And guys like Salguero, he was like breaking down f- like plays or film or particular things in the game that normally he would just be a short, shrill, quick answer where he just kind of is grumpy and gives you the, the mumble check voice. But he was very clear and open and transparent and he was not pissed off and he's always pissed off especially when his offense sucks which they have now going on nine quarters without a touchdown going on almost a month without a quarterback passing for a touchdown on this offense and he was not mad at all it, just, it was very strange to see him in a four minute presser just be really like midsummer Adam Gaze almost where he's just jovial it was, it was strange to see I guess you guys can check it out for yourselves if you want to see it it's up on the Dolphins social media pages it's about a four minute long video Adam Gaze talking to the media And he also mentioned something that I found pretty, pretty interesting, I guess, in the sense that he might be kind of giving himself a scapegoat. He did say, I'm looking forward to this buy, because we haven't had a buy in two freaking years, he said. And you can tell that he's really getting kind of this injury, constant injury news over and over and over again, losing so many key players is definitely catching up to him. And that brings me into the next point I saw on Twitter talking and I, Like, Look, I get that you guys have these concerns, and I get these messages on Twitter all the time, DMs or ats, which I try to answer as many as I can. I don't always see them, so I'll address them on the podcast here. But the one that I saw over and over again on Sunday was, when do we start evaluating this training staff for what this team has been medically, not just this year, but going back last year? And then you really can connect it all the way back. To 2006, with the Drew Brees Dante Culpepper fiasco, there. And look, I I get it. I realize we all want somewhere to place this blame because then it's tangible. Then there's something you can root for or hope for in the immediate future because the pain of realizing we have to wait a whole nother offseason for this game we love to come back and to be relevant for the Miami Dolphins, it sucks. And Losing players to injury like this, it really just kind of wipes out your optimism for the entire sport and the future, and we get to this whole cleaning house thing. I know that everybody wants this team to be healthy like the Pittsburgh Steelers or like the Los Angeles Rams have been, not really losing any key starters, and the Dolphins just haven't had that luck, but I'm not going to sit here and say it's on the training staff because I can't pretend to know the first thing about what goes into being an NFL trainer, what goes into preventative measures for injuries or post-injury you know. Rehabilitation. I don't know the first thing about that stuff. So for me to sit here and say they need to reevaluate the training staff, is that really what it is? Or a guys just stepping wrong? Is it bad luck? It's really, you know, I can't put a finger on it, so I won't speculate on it anymore. But calling for a trainer's job just seems like a really big reach, a desperation reach for something to, to really gravitate towards. Like I said, a tangible thing to grab onto. And speaking of tangibility, the Dolphins are... Still smack dab in the middle of the playoff hunt, where they always are in the far right column in the hunt. They do trail the Bengals and Titans by a half game each, and then if those teams were to find themselves in a three-way tie, the head-to-head tiebreaker with the Bengals would go out the window. So Miami still right in the thick of things with the Bengals losing to the Saints by about a million points at home in the game on Sunday, and the Titans taking down the Patriots. It's the Dolphins have a chance to win a couple of games and get themselves right back into the hunt, but they got to get healthy especially at quarterback and offensive tackle. And speaking of the quarterback, I did send out a tweet the other day that got a lot of action and a lot of uh, conversation back in my direction. I even got, I had to block somebody for calling me a delusional asshole or something like that for saying that I think that Teddy Bridgewater will be the quarterback next year and that the Dolphins might be separating themselves from Ryan Tannehill going forward and that Adam Gaze is kind of out on the Ryan Tannehill train. So, We'll probably get into some of that discussions later on this week as we have a week of shows worth of not having to do previews because there is no game next week. There is a bye, but the Dolphins getting that bye at the exact right time. And next, we're going to talk about the one big thing here, on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Winkfield NFL at Locked On Fins. back on the Monday, November the 12th edition of the Locked on Dolphins podcast and the Dolphins do dump one to the Green Bay Packers in blowout fashion as Miami was down several key players in the game and lost a few more key players throughout the course of the game and that segues perfectly into the final segment on the Monday podcast today, the segment that I totally took from somebody else, Scott Van Pelt of course the one big thing one big the NFL is a war of attrition. From Pee Wee to the pros, everyone knows the next man up mantra. But at what point do you wave the proverbial white flag? Injuries happen, but it would literally take less time to read the players that are healthy for the Miami Dolphins than it would the players that are injured. We won't do that here. Instead, I'll list the players that have missed significant time. The quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, five games. Left tackle, Laramie Tunzel, one game and missed parts of two others. Left guard, Josh Sitton on IR after one game. Center, Dan Kilgore on IR after game four. The backup left guard missed this last game, Ted Larson. Jake Brendel misses nine games on the interior offensive line. He was supposed to be a reserve to start the season. The right tackle, Jawan James, missed one game, parts of two others. The Dolphins' best wide receiver, still leading receiver, Albert Wilson, on the IR after seven games. Kenny Stills missed a game. Jakeem Grant now appears he could likely be done, though I have heard he didn't tear his ACL. I have... Pretty good confirmation on that, and we'll see if that holds true, which means 2019 won't be in jeopardy for Jakeem Grant. And on a day like today, we'll take that win. Devontae Parker, whatever he is, however many games he missed, it appears he will now be done for the season. Marquise Gray lost the entire season. A.J. Derby, several games, the backup tight end to Marquise Gray. Vincent Taylor, the Dolphins' best defensive tackle this year. He's on IR. William Hayes on IR after the game number three, when he was the best run defender for the Miami Dolphins. Mike Hole missed eight games, a key special teamer. Bobby McCain missed two games and came out of today's game with a concussion. Rashad Jones missed two games. Cameron Wake. Two games and Cordrea Tankersley tore his ACL at practice last week. If you follow me on Twitter, you've probably seen my whiteboard, my live Dolphins document where I track the depth chart, projected snap counts, and a variety of other things that provides me with a quick resource while recording the podcast. It hovers over my left shoulder of my workstation. And at this point, it's essentially a hospital roster hovering over my shoulder. On that board, I color coordinate players by how much I expect them to play. The green players are the core guys, your most important pieces, the ones that play 75% or more of your snaps. Then the orange guys, they are in the 50 to 70% snaps played range, then blue, which is 25 to 50, and purple are the less important ones, the guys that play less than 25% of your plays. So green and orange are your key guys. The Dolphins have 10 greens and 5 oranges that have missed multiple games. For this Miami Dolphins team in 2018. 15 players, 15 that are basically the top dogs on your roster. Now complain all you want about how ugly or how undeserving some of these wins have been under this team, under this regime, but how they've managed to piece together five wins is a minor miracle. I watch the Dolphins every single Sunday. I watch the late afternoon games. I watch the primetime games. I usually watch Monday and Thursday night games as well, and this doesn't include my college football obsession. I've been doing that since I can remember. I got the Sunday ticket back in 2007, and I haven't missed any bit of the action pretty much in that entire time. Football is my life. I'm telling you this because I've seen a lot of football and yet I've never seen something quite like this. Let's use the Rams as an example. They're humming along as one of the best teams in the NFL, if not the best team in the NFL, but they've also had a pretty good bill of health. How well do you think they would do if Sean Mannion had to play five games at quarterback for them? They've missed Cooper Cup for a couple of games, but what if Brandon Cooks was also hurt? What if Andrew Whitworth was missing significant time? The entire interior offensive line? What about Ndamukong Suh and Aaron Donald? If you lose your best players, it's hard to keep winning games. Would they be 9-1? Of course not. And a lot of luck goes into football. And right now, nobody has worse luck than the Miami Dolphins. Even in this game on Sunday, when they entered as double-digit dogs, despite having two more wins than their opponent, as Vegas recognized how banged up this team is. And that was before we learned that both Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James wouldn't play. And to make matters worse... A starting corner, a starting receiver, and a receiver slash special teamer all left the game and could be done for the year, both of those receivers, talking of course about McCain, Grant, and Parker. I have never seen a team take on this many injuries at any level of football, pros, college, or otherwise. The NFL is a war of attrition, and it's a war the Dolphins are losing badly. All right, I am gonna get out of here. But first, I would be remiss if I did not mention this topic. As the Washington State Cougars rolled over the Colorado Buffs on Saturday, the Cougs are now nine and one on the fast track for the Pac-12 championship game. A Pac-12 North title they've got an outside shot at the college football playoff and we've got a Heisman candidate and quarterback Gardner Minshew number one across almost every passing metric available to man college football has been a blast for me this year hopefully one day we all get to celebrate to a similarly fun season on this podcast with our Miami Dolphins but as for this podcast that is going to be my time. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingful NFL, Follow the show at Locked OnFins, And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.